Welcome! Welcome back everyone to Love's Labour's Watched. It's 2020 and we're back. Yeah, so you may remember us, your favourite pop culture podcast. <laughs> um, we love to discuss books, films, theatre. Uh, I'm Francesca. I'm Helena. And yeah, we're really excited for it to be 2020 and we're gonna really hope to bring you even more coverage this year than we did last year mm -hmm. we were really pleased with a lot of the stuff that we did last year yes, like absolutely. we interviewed madeline miller author of cersei and we had some other really great episodes that we were really excited about yeah absolutely and we're gonna have a whole new podcast release schedule which is very exciting we're essentially going to release episodes twice monthly now uh, at the beginning of the week starting from today um which is going to hopefully allow us to give you even more interesting content on a more regular basis and speaking of interesting content uh we're going to crack on today with talking about little women the new greta gerberg adaptation of the american classic by louisa may alcott um which is from the 19th century and is set during just civil war and post-civil war era america um, it's a really exciting adaptation, um, especially, particularly considering there is already an adaptation out there from the 90s starring Winona Ryder. So we were really excited to see how the films differed and what Greta Gerwig's decisions would be and what impact they would have. There's four great actresses, um, four great sisters to talk about, so overall we're both really, really excited. And one of my big questions about uh, Little Women in the way Greta Gerwig is going to tell it is basically about the narrative style she chooses, the filming style she chooses. She essentially chooses to tell the story non-chronologically um, with this past and present fusion kind of approach, which I think is really interesting because it gives the opportunity to see the film in a whole new way. And it also, I think, is a bit dangerous because it has the opportunity to confuse the audience. What, you, what are you going to lose? Because you will lose something when you are, a, not a slave, but you are bound by the limitations of a, a particular approach to your storytelling. But I think what she gained by telling it in that way, in the non-chronological, yeah was a really thoughtful presentation of the themes of little women that perhaps come through better and is more modern than yeah. the 1990s approach um yeah oh and a side note also um there are going to be spoilers so yeah i think i mean i already gave a bit of a spoiler but we're, yeah we're obviously as evidenced by what we've been talking about so far we are kind of spoiling her approach and, and i would argue that like everybody knows the plot of the film really and I, I'm sorry I don't mean to generalise like not everyone necessarily does but probably a lot of people do yes but actually the thing that you wouldn't want spoiled for this is less the plot and more the way she tells the plot yeah because the plot also is you know in some ways somewhat conventional like uh, not to diminish the arguable kind of proto-feminist credentials of Louisa May Alcott but it is you know it follows through in a similar manner to Pride and Prejudice yes. or you know other books about women finding their place in society um but yeah, the, the immediate choice of like seeing them as grown-ups is really interesting, I think, because let's talk about the characters for a bit. You know, Joe is the one that women, and particularly women like us who love writing and reading mm -hmm. and work in media, a lot of women see themselves in the character of Joe, yes. And almost then by default, don't like the character of Amy, who is the youngest of the March sisters and is the one who burns Joe's book, which I think for a lot of writers is like the <laughs> ultimate cardinal ultimate sin. sin. Um, but also she is kind of more spoiled and, you know, she's she like is quite a bit vain and, and, and all those things which, you know, to be honest, are just human attributes. But actually, uh, when you're reading them in the book, you're a bit like, oh, I'm not really a fan of her. You know? Yeah, she's a bit boring and, you know, mean. Yeah, and then she becomes over the course of the book like a young woman 
but you, you never really forget this kind of image of what she was like when she was young mm-hmm. and I think a lot of readers find that hard to move on from whereas in, in this version of the story you see her first as this young woman in Paris mm-hmm. um, and you see her pure joy at seeing Laurie who by the way we haven't even mentioned actually is played by Timothy Chalamet yes podcast a, a, fave. a classic podcast fave and it's like such a great role for him in that he plays you know the object of desire for kind of all the sisters in a way like mm-hmm. all of them have this kind of relationship with him where he represents something that is quite different from their own experience like he's their wealthy neighbor mm-hmm. um and yeah she so so florence Pugh as amy sees him from the carriage he's filmed in like slow-mo yeah <laughs> like people in the cinema so i so i saw it twice i saw it once with my mum over christmas and then i saw it again with helena and a group of our friends um, in the cinema in London and yeah people like vi- verbally reacted when he came on screen which was fun um, but yeah you kind of so you see her reaction you see how excited she is to see him mm-hmm. and then you also like see her early in the film like talking about her what it's like being a woman and her, her choices of like you know why she wants to marry Rich because she feels like it's the only way out yeah um, and why she cares about her art and like so basically you learn about her as a character as an older character very early on before you kind of go back to see her as a kid you know putting her you know doing stupid things like putting her foot in plaster of Paris (laughs) to make a cast for Laurie Um, yeah I I definitely agree and I think that also to give you that start to give you a sense of where at least the film will come to a halfway point at the beginning is very useful because it establishes who they become yeah. and then from there how they got there and um, it is nice as well it keeps the film the, keeps the film pacey as it well does, yeah. it, you know the problem is that this film ha- this story has been told you know and the key draw I think that Greta Gerwig was trying to um, point out was that this is going to be little women retold in a feministy kind of way where the themes and the, the characters and the plot are the same but she draws out more of the life of the young woman in america and and thinks about that more properly rather than what the 90s film did which was just to tell the story of little women with the ups and the downs and you know when you first run into joe trying to make a living in new york um and what she has to go through there and the discussion she has with the editor of the paper in trying to make her work marketable and giving up some of her creativity and then when he asks who shall I say wrote it she's like no name please you know because her femininity could affect how much her how well her writing would take um is to make those themes come to the front rather than the themes of love and marriage and when will Joe find a husband she loves which I think is maybe something that the 90s film played more on um yeah. so I think yeah it, it, it makes a lot of sense as to why she chose to do that do it in this way because in the end if you're going to tell little women in 2019 and 2020 because the award season that it is running for is the 2020 yeah. award season you have to you have to make it a feminist film otherwise what's the point really and I, <laughs> and I think one thing that's really interesting is that the um the the book and also the other adaptations have tended to yeah stress joe having this um vocation of writing Mm -hmm. but don't tend to kind of stress that the other sisters are creative too and actually this film very much does demonstrate that obviously amy yeah is actually represented as someone who loves art and you know she has this line where she says i'd rather be i want to be great or nothing yes and you know she has these really high expectations for herself Mm -hmm. and she also talks about what it was like being in joe's shadow um, which I think a lot of people could relate to with, with siblings or friends or, you know, all of those those sorts of talks that they have about their 
creative pursuits I think are quite relatable to people yeah Um, and then the other two sisters uh, Meg played by Emma Watson you know she she has this other line where she talks about oh my just because my dreams are different to yours doesn't make them any less important she says this to Joe when she is explaining why she's going to get married rather than pursue a life on the stage which to be honest it was never clear she really was ever going to do but bit of a shoe in that one yeah, yeah it, it <laughs> Meg was, wants to do nothing but act like no it was presented as like she has other talents and then Beth who is the middle sister is supposed to be an incredibly talented pianist um, and that was very much a, you know a, a, a th- that's always in all the stories I think but it yeah. was presented more as like hey they all have these individual talents mm-hmm. and it, they're not just you know side characters for like well, Joe's watch story, Joe's story. Yeah. yeah so yeah absolutely and I think that's a good thing because for me personally um so one of the great I think one of the great things about Little Women is the sense of the sisterhood and yeah. the family that it shows and Greta I think really shines when she's directing um ensembles absolutely. um you know there's some great scenes in the film which um, I have three sisters of which I am the oldest so, <laughs> so me the Joe. so I am no I'm Meg Oh yeah, the Meg. I'm yeah. Meg. Yeah, I marry a painless tutor, which doesn't seem so unlikely, does it? <laughs> um, anyway, and me and my sisters have watched Little Women before when we were young, and we always allied ourselves with whichever sister we were in the right, line, yeah. which meant that one of them um, ended up dead, which wasn't <laughs> great for her. But um, anyway, and whilst we didn't exactly see ourselves in the exact characters we were the right age of it doesn't matter what matters is the the, the experience of having three sisters the female household that's loud and creative um is something that is a very a universal theme but it's important i think and a great strength for little women and greta directs it so well you know the scenes when they're putting on plays or having weird little um councils as fake men or when meg there's a great bit when meg is going off to her first debutante ball and obviously what not all the sisters understand why she wants to go the family and the neighbors are all there to see her off and everything and then you hear them all talking about what she needs Mm. and like you need shoes blah 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 and then where in a different film you might have the whole family standing in a line while they deliver their lines to Meg what you have instead is this babble of noise uh, which is all well put together so you can hear it all and then you have Amy swinging off the door kind of bleating from the background oh I wish I was going and I think capturing the chaos of that big family and of those dynamic sister relationships and the fact that each sister relationship plays out in a group scene Mm -hmm. from the way that she directs them and the way they deliver their lines and the camera work and everything like that I think is really special um and you know all of my sisters who've seen it came out being like i felt that film understood what it was to have a big sister family yeah and a big female family um because greta did that and it's something that came out in ladybird too you know the chaos of these group scenes which just really helps you to jump into their theme and their feeling i think is a really strong thing and it helped me draw away from joe because personally i don't always enjoy joe as a character because i think that like she refuses to accept realities sometimes and she did and does in both films i've seen judge other people for not doing what she's doing yeah um and i'm not saying you have to you know be as what's the word be as pragmatic as amy or meg right in deciding what you need to do and what your limits are but i think meg went a bit far for me in the 90s film of being just like too not meg sorry joe is too overly like idealized as the strong special woman who won't settle down like that isn't one woman that isn't the best kind of woman and i think the new little women does a good job of showing as we said before women in different stages and choosing different things and all of them being just as viable as the other i completely agree and i think you know she is presented 
as flawed they all are mm-hmm. including Beth and I think that's something that uh, Beth is unfortunately the doomed sister and yes, often that is her principal characteristic that yeah. she is going to die halfway through the film yeah. and that also she's she's shy and sweet and she's often presented as being like saintly um, uh-huh. and, you know in the book and in a lot of the adaptations she has this like speech before she dies where she's like I'm off to see God and you know not to again clearly that was something that Louisa May Alcott wanted in the story mm-hmm. and in a way this happens throughout um, Greta Gerwig's film she doesn't actually omit things like that but she chooses to focus on other aspects yeah. and it's almost like she yeah she she just will so you don't see for example the moment where beth actually passes away mm-hmm. you see the aftermath yeah um which means you could still if you wanted to imagine that she had said that yeah the whole, whole scene but mm-hmm. you don't see it so instead you get moments like where one of the girls is like oh what's your favorite eye color and beth, um, beth's like purple and she's just like <laughs> and she comes out with these slightly random kind of quirky lines yeah. which means that she also feels like a fully fledged character, character. Yeah. Um, all of them do and yeah I completely agree with you that they, they sort of talk over one another in a way that you never see people do in films because mm-hmm. they want everyone to have their big speech and then they stop and then someone else speaks and yeah. instead they talk over one another and when they finally say the kind of iconic lines which open the book which is Joe says Christmas wasn't Christmas without any presents she says it really quickly and then the others immediately like jump on and say their lines and yeah. you're like oh that's how it would be said it wouldn't yeah. be said like Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents you know it just yeah. wouldn't be like... and I think it definitely delivers a lot of freshness to how Greta Gerwig's work come, comes across and I think that's the reason Lady Bird was again so fresh in telling a female story and it wasn't a hugely uh, what's the word it wasn't a hugely groundbreaking story but she gave it an extra edge that makes you want to listen and hear new things and different things and it i think it's important for little women as a modern production and a modern portrayal of the book to deliver these kind of modern themes in a way that makes sense and i think she does a really good job of that i mean yeah you're right about the fact that like it was very funny and fun and mm-hmm. there was um bits like um i, I know people i read a i read a, a um a kind of thread on Twitter, which is where I get most of my sort of like opinions nowadays is through Twitter Twitter threads, where it was saying that Greta Gerwig is trying to sort of um, talk about the idea of teenagedom for a young woman being the best time of her life, right? And then the lack of the lack of the freedoms that get taken away as you grow older, even in terms of innocence or how fast you can move or your dreams, things like that, is displayed in Lady Bird and, for example, on how at the end she turns and realizes she can't go home and the city isn't everything she expected it to be so that teenage kind of like wide-eyed rose tinted glasses viewpoint is lost to ladybird at the end and mm. the idea of that rose tinted joy is lost to someone like meg for example and how she gets married and then ends up penniless and you know she was saying emma watson's acting was the weakest but maybe that was because that sort of like loss of loss of joy is something that like emma watson slightly um, what's the word um, stoic acting <laughs> mm. um, is trying to say and I'm like right okay so I went into it after that explanation thinking Emma Watson would be a bit like characterless right and then right at the beginning they burn her hair off and you see <laughs> Emma Watson refined Emma Watson like screaming for yeah, her mum being true. like you know the whole like hysterical face and I think that like that is not something at all that I got from Meg's character that she's she is by the time you see her as a wife expressing like the disappointment of a loss of youth i'm like meg's story for me was about losing what she thought she might have 
but being happy with what she had actually gained. You know, when yeah, her husband, you know, when she buys this material and her husband's disappointed that he spent all their money. And then at the end, she says, basically, I gave the material away because I realised that being with you and being happy with you is more important. And I thought that Emma Watson did a great job of, like, portraying Meg's, like, slight quietness and sort mm. of straight laces, sure, but also the dynamic parts of her personality, which included falling in love with somebody yeah. that she didn't expect to fall in love with. I completely so, agree. I, I, like, I, I think... find this really weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and of course it's always tricky with, with those sorts of, you know, quote-unquote hot takes that, you know, that, that people, you know, and obviously everyone's entitled to kind of interpreting these performances, like, differently. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you that I think you could argue that Meg ends up the happiest um, yeah. because she follows her heart mm. and she says that she's always had the dream of being a mother and uh-huh. being um, a wife and being close to her family and mm-hmm. and joe in a way that is definitely similar to ladybird in ladybird is she feels that kind of slightly torn i think between wanting to be with her family and between remembering her childhood as being this wonderful time mm-hmm. um and of like um, freedom and you know yeah. artistic expression and absolutely all those kind of things and laurie being part of that too because she's like estranged from him as an adult mm. um but then she also has this creative intellectual freedom in new york which Mm -hmm. i think is is really highlighted in this film in a way again that maybe it wasn't so much in past adaptations Mm and that you see her going to the opera you see her living independently dancing in the bar yeah yeah which is really interesting i just remember that yeah that was because that's very early on um uh, and the conversations that she has with the professor and um and then of course the final scene which yeah we will discuss in a bit but i think all of that is, is is drawn in contrast and you feel this tug and I was like that I think is probably how a lot of modern women feel in Mm -hmm. that you know you you might feel a a draw like for example I have not been in this situation and like neither of you but like you know if you're someone who's had a child and then you maybe want to spend all your time with your child but also you want to go back to work Mm -hmm. and succeed in the workplace and you might feel that bit of a a, yeah a bit torn yes absolutely I think and and to various degrees I think that that is you know something a lot of women feel um and also people feel and that it's easy to like idealize your childhood looking back and the way that it's filmed which is super interesting is like the the two different timelines that you talked about earlier Mm -hmm. the more modern timeline is more kind of bluey and gray and has a more sort of subdued filter which isn't that there aren't happy fun moments in that timeline but it it generally does feel more like that Mm -hmm. and then the past storyline is warm and inviting orangey yeah and of course also the girls look more youthful and exuberant Mm. and um it's got rich richness to it so i think um yeah that kind of that that contrast is definitely uh, something that i think Greta Gerwig is really interested in and Mm -hmm. the film is interested in and it doesn't ultimately present anyone's choice i think as being good or bad yes it uh, and it's the same with the kind of age-old question of like should she have married laurie it's not really presented as like she made a mistake like look they're like have really compatible or it's not represented as like oh yeah that was a great choice because mm-hmm. actually she she kind of regrets it goes back tries to go back on it yeah. yeah but also i felt as an audience member that i didn't really think they should be together and actually i was much happier with her choice of being of amy and laurie yes. which again i think normally you're a bit like oh my god amy like literally you what stole, are you doing? You stole yeah. the man and then absolutely and i think they did amy more justice oh, definitely 100%. for one thing i mean just discuss the acting i mean we're not surprised that saoirse ronan completely smashed 
Yada, the way the emotional depths of Joe. Yeah, not surprised that by that. Almost, yeah. And as we said, Emma Watson, I think, really understood the Meg character more yeah. than that Twitter thread person gave her credit for. And the obviously we said the character of Beth is very intelligently played by Eliza. It's this sort of sweet, not simple, but sim- simple needs kind of girl. And you know, Meg, um, yeah, obviously Beth never really leaves the home and she doesn't ever want to, which is completely fine. But I think the character of Amy might be the hardest, one of the hardest ones to do just because. For one thing, Florence, who is a 24-year-old woman, is having to kind of play, for most of the film, at least half of it, a 14, 15-year-old girl, with those kind of pettinesses and childishnesses attached. So when she has to sort of make you believe that as a character she wants to burn um, uh, Joe's novels out of spite for not being able to go to a party which she was too young to go to. Or um, silly things like you know um, when she does the whole foot in Plaza of Paris cast yeah. thing or, or when she's crying outside Laurie's window she, or the needing of lines you know all yeah, these little childish yeah. things that I think about make you are meant to make you see Amy's own immaturity Florence has to do that but then also deliver a really I thought intelligent mature performance in, in her later life of when she's decided to give up on her art because she feels she will be great or nothing and she's seeing that what she has is talent but not greatness and genius and she says you know she delivers that kind of speech very well when you have you know Timothy Chalamet's Laurie kind of like basically lounging around being like well who really cares about anything Mm. and that's kind of his portrayal of Laurie and then also when you know she's having to deal with wanting a man for money and then her love for Laurie winning out which you know has never been what's the word never been um, talked about between mm. her and Laurie and you know again she delivers those lines of such maturity that makes Amy a character that you really want to know more about you know yeah. when she says you know Laurie sort of not jokingly but you can see him starting to think oh maybe I'll marry Amy March instead mm. of Joe and she's there being like don't replace me with Joe I can't bear it when I've loved you my whole life and things like that I think that those could come across as a bit insincere I guess but with Florence at the helm the difference between her two portrayals of Amy just from age um yeah it's absolutely amazing like I never cared about Amy much as a character but actually all I wanted by the end was for Amy to be a happy and have what she wanted yeah no matter what that was (laughs) she's incredibly compelling and I think she's hilarious as child Amy Mm. Um, but also I think you're kind of like you know I mean I never would condone her burning the book but I think you sort of feel you you feel sympathy and empathy for her Mm -hmm. as a kid and you also feel like yeah it would be so fun to grow up in this household but also difficult and Jo would be a difficult person to be your older sister well she talks about Jo herself talks about her temper yeah and you know she shouts at the hot French professor because the hot French professor will get onto the we'll the men of the show, yeah. men of the film. Um, but she, you know, she shouts at a random man because she doesn't. He doesn't. She, she doesn't take like criticism. No, yeah. absolutely. And like her treatment of Amy is a classic older sister gig of ignoring them as much as you can. Really. Yeah, and and you know she 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 and Meg to a lesser degree, but they both have the they enjoy the fact that they can go off and do things that mm-hmm. their two younger sisters can't. So yeah, I think she plays all that really well. But I agree that you know when she is explaining her choices in her later life it is just like you're completely on board and yeah i think florence Pugh has rightly so really broken out in this yeah, movie she's like, um, and it, it helps as well of course that she as an actress is she comes over as so down to earth um mm-hmm. also incredibly versatile i mean she's been in so many different interesting films this year i also saw her in fighting with my family well she's fighting with my family with against the rock 
And then she also is doing um, the Black Widow film with yeah, Gaja Hansen, etc. So the action film. And then she's also, her big art house breakout was two years ago, or three years ago actually, maybe, in Lady Macbeth. Yeah. A really weird art housey film, uh, kind of based on the Macbeth story, where she is sort of a wife who comes into a lonely house in Yorkshire and basically very darkly and bleakly ends up killing people and having affairs. <laughs> and it's, it's honestly, it's an, she did an amazing, she was 20 or something. Yeah. And she, honestly, I remember watching that film and being like, wow like this is a crazy film and a crazy role and she is just absolutely so i think she's definitely proving herself to be able to do across the spectrum of films and she's hit everything so at this point now she's being nominated for awards it's not really a surprise no i was really pleased that she got nominated um for best supporting actress um at the academy award for Mm -hmm. for this role as amy um and like she it's, it becomes almost a bit of a two-hander between her and Saoirse Ronan and they very much obviously I think elevate one another's performances mm-hmm. um, by bringing out these two different sides of 18th century womanhood and yeah. I think you know you very much feel uh, you, you're with Joe like when when so I feel like her Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh have really good chemistry and really bring to life the fact that you think actually yeah this is the right choice but also I think when joe finds out what's happened like part of you is a bit heartbroken because you're just like for me it was maybe less about her marrying um laurie in particular and more about like oh her sister has just got this thing that maybe she can't she thinks at that time she can't have or Mm. she hasn't quite got to um yeah absolutely yeah so i think yeah all the performances are fantastic and we should also have a quick chat about the men of the film so we have timothy chalamet playing the titular laurie you know, uh, he's not titular. Sorry, I keep using the word titular wrong, don't I? Playing the, uh, not eponymous, no, infamous Laurie. Infamous is quite um, good, yeah. uh, Who is essentially, as we know, the boy who lives next door, who all the girls form a good friendship with. He falls in love with Joe. Joe doesn't uh, reciprocate. reciprocate, and yeah. then he ends up marrying Amy. And both Timothy Chalamet, as far as I can tell, is sort of he has the freedom of being a rich young man, and you can definitely see that he has that. Um, so and he wears increasingly baggy sort of like I'm a bohemian young man clothing apparently uh, as a side note apparently um, the costume designer just like gave him a wardrobe of clothes and was like you have really good taste you just like put your clothes together so all his outfits that he wore like chosen by him he chose them oh yeah. wow he looks great the whole time as well yeah, so go well, him he's clearly very stylish man. Yeah. but which is quite nice like, like Laurie he, he sort of floats through the films doing his job but um, you know, it's not so much you don't we don't we don't see so much about you know his torment or his thought processes aside from how he interacts with the March sisters, which yeah. I quite like. And then you also have Edward Norton. Is that his name? No, what's his name? Edward um, Norton. No, James it's, Norton. It's, it's James Norton. James yeah. Norton. Yeah. Edward Norton is something else. James yeah. Norton from uh, Gosh, War and Peace, um, uh, Manchester, McMaffey, loads of things. Yeah, very much. A, it, interestingly, this film is populated by non-american actors despite it being a very american story I yeah mean, the four sisters are played by you know british irish australian yeah uh, yeah yeah cast wow. members and, and so yeah james norton is also british which is yes playing um the tutor i can't remember his name suddenly uh oh what is his name who marries meg John. He's called John. His name is yeah. John. He plays the tutor. And again, he pops up through the film being generally nice and holding on to Meg's glove because he likes it. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have um, the... Professor Bauer. Professor Bauer, who is the... Played by a hot French man. And then we also have the grandfather of Laurie, who lives in the big house next door, who becomes a confidant of Beth. Chris Cooper. Plays Chris him. Cooper plays him. And then we also um, have uh, fleeting moments of the dad, 
who played is by bizarrely played by the actor from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul yeah, the lawyer it's quite random yeah. yeah and again the thing about the men of the film is generally they're all pretty they're nice guys you know they are defined though I think by their relationship with the March family rather than the other way around um, and one of the biggest most interesting decisions I think of Greta Bob Greta Gerwig was to cast the professor Lu- Lewis Garrel Lewis Garrel Louis Garrel, Louis Garrel. Um, so Joe's love interest as a hot young Frenchman rather than in the 90s film he was a cantankerous old professor which is how he's portrayed in the book too and yeah. um, the, the context for that is that so Little Women was published as two separate volumes mm-hmm. um, that were uh, and then usually actually now published as one although fun fact when I was a kid I just read the first one but I thought I'd read the whole story and it was only when I watched an adaptation I was like oh my god what? <laughs> because my version ended before Beth died yeah, um, she absolutely shook and apparently that has happened to many people because right. there is this like confusion with the two stories but mm-hmm. anyway so uh, the first one published and everyone was like oh my god like clearly Joe is going to marry Laurie like oh I love it and Louise May Alcott was like oh, no, no guys and so she actually described it in, his le- in a letter as having conceived a funny little match for her uh-huh. by picking this contemporary old German professor mm-hmm. who nobody really found alluring or you know but but she in the book as well like makes the point that she's more of an intellectual match for her than than Laurie Mm -hmm. but I certainly think a lot of readers and watchers of adaptations over the years have found that choice to be a little bit baffling and a bit lacking so Greta Gerwig was like why don't I cast this hot man instead this hot young Frenchman why not and it's quite funny because um, from the beginning they definitely I remember you saying that Greta Gerwig thought of um, pairing couples together immediately at the beginning of the film as they would end up. So you see Amy and Laurie together before you see Laurie with anybody else. You see um, Joe with the hot young professor before you see him with her with any other man. Yeah, right, she talked so. about this um, on the Script Notes podcast, yes. and I thought that was really interesting. She was like, it means that you see, yeah, your mind. She was like, it's almost like a subconscious thing of your mind, like pairing those yes, people so together. So you see them first. Yeah. yeah. So um, I thought that was really interesting actually because again, I was under the impression that. Uh, for me and we'll talk about the ending in a second because there's a reason that we diverge a bit and um, one of the things I wanted to see was Jo getting a little happy romance time of her own because I thought like not every woman does but it's still a little romance story and then just because she wants to be a writer and she wants to be independent and she doesn't want to be with Laurie does not at all mean that she can't fall in love and I think trying to separate the two was something I didn't want to happen and I feel like the old cantankerous professor is sort of separating that you know mm. it's making Joe also I, it seems vaguely predatory to me that he's so much older but maybe not That's, I guess it's a different era but different yeah era. I think it wouldn't have really translated well with our modern yeah. sensibilities so yeah. I do quite enjoy the fact that like he uh, you know that he is there and he sort of watches Joe f- you know, fly about the house causing havoc and um you know, he sees her at the theatre and enjoys seeing her there and they dance together and then, you know, he criticises Joe's work to her face and things like that. And I feel like having this sort of like, like baffled young professor who, you know, Joe likes just because she does and that's okay, um, with no critiques or going into it too much, you know, I quite I quite enjoyed that actually and I really liked it. Um, and again, I, as I said before, you know, the men were chosen to be, I think, um, accessories to the main plot rather than yeah. any you know they're second fiddles just like we think we love Chris Pine for example in Wonder Woman because yeah, he's second fiddles the definitely. whole time and I think that is a great strength and a, a great delicacy of acting as a guy as well is not overshadowing everybody else yeah and another thing that um, Greta said in the script notes podcast when she was talking about casting Louis Garrel as um, Friedrich he's called isn't he yes um, she said that 
men male directors have been putting glasses and like weird clothing on women for decades and being like oh they're they're ugly they're nerdy (laughs) Uh, and they'll be like these beautiful women and she was like why can't i you know cast it um she hesitated to use the term female gaze but i feel that's kind of what she was implying that Mm -hmm. actually this is a women's story and it's told through the women um and yeah the male characters are quite secondary and in the case of the father it's actually quite interesting because i think in the book his absence because he's off fighting in the civil war um through the first part of the story his absence is keenly felt and i think it is in the film but actually even when he's back um in the latter half of the story you still like barely see him yeah like he's not there through you know beth's illness when it when you see it the second time no, absolutely he's not, not. Re- you know laura dern's mommy is a lot more prominent yes um, which is clearly a conscious choice um and to quickly touch on her story i think uh they emphasize her as like a independent thinker and someone mm-hmm. who has her own troubles and toils and like she says this line to joe where she's like i've been angry every day of my life mm-hmm. and i think she she talks a lot to joe about the choices that joe makes in the way that again it, it feels quite modern because it feels like the conversations that you might have with your mum about like oh should i do this or should yeah. i do that should i Absolutely. marry him or not um so i think whereas you don't see any of that with the dad he literally just has a few really random lines and that's kind of it yeah and i think that was very conscious absolutely i mean and that actually brings me on to one of the few criticisms i have of the film which i take as um i take as a, a necessary consequence of the actual um structure that um greta Gerwig imposes on the story which is the fact that like i do think that there was a bit of a disconnect between the present day events sort of in the darker timeline mm-hmm. and then the past events in like the brighter time of their lives um just because it was things like for me i thought the yeah the dad appeared out of nowhere and there wasn't much of a sense of his dynamic with the girls because you had to kind of chop and change back and forward and he wasn't a focus and there was a bit of yeah a loss of focus so again it was like amy's transformation into a young woman came just out of the blue for me um you know for a while she's young and foolish and then she becomes more mature and generally a bit more nice and thoughtful um and i found that because you were doing this parallel rather than this chronological structure you did lose a bit of the subtleties and the nuances of anything that wasn't like big and bold and thematic and like quieter moments and things like that so for example like beth's illness comes on very suddenly and then she for me dies very suddenly you know one moment she's on the beach with joe looking completely fine (laughs) apart from saying sadly you know uh, everyone's time you know it's like the tide you can't stop it from going out um and then very suddenly she's she's dead and i think for the for the artistic sort of like necessities of having the film be kind of lined up and um cut the way it was there was a few nuances i think that you do lose Mm. but for me i'm not it's not a huge problem i have like i really want to watch it again so i can see those new i can see more and i can learn more about how the film was put together and how the scenes work all together but it did mean that like some things were a surprise because they had to push through it quickly because otherwise they were out of time like the debutante ball came out of nowhere and then meg's relationship with laurie came out of nowhere and you're a bit like i have no idea haven't yeah, really seen them together i think it takes the film takes um some things as given like it assumes that you would realize that yeah meg would also be close to laurie mm-hmm. um and i suppose in some ways that's kind of expecting slightly more of an audience than average yeah in that, like it there's a degree of like showing rather than telling mm-hmm. um 
but yeah I, I appreciate that criticism I don't think it bothered me at all like I don't think I felt it keenly mm. um however I am also aware that obviously I did know the story um, yeah and same with you so like we would kind of fill in the blanks mm-hmm. when necessary yeah and wouldn't be like oh hey but when did that happen because it just you, you know us. from the other adaptations or from the book so I definitely think that but that for me is something that is kind of unavoidable and I appreciate like 1917 for example as I said before there's certain bits of 1917 where you're like they lost a bit of time to have action because they needed to keep it all on one plane of time you know constant you know always ongoing time but um, I don't think that's a a, a not a minus point in any way it's just a limitation of a certain method of telling the story and I appreciate actually the fact that these limitations exist and that instead of falling prey to trying to fix them all the film is perfect as the in in the style that it is yeah it's like very it's it's very well executed in that way and isn't trying to do anything extra no yeah i completely agree um and yeah this so we talked about this parallel storytelling and basically the um the story in the present um builds to its kind of crescendo and we see less of the past yes, as we get towards as the, the end present of the rolls film. on yes yeah um, and also as kind of action in the present becomes a bit more pressing <laughs> in, in the, like the you know joe has decided that she's going to publish a book about her relationship with her sisters mm-hmm. and amy is marrying laurie and beth has passed away and the family are kind of recovering mm-hmm. and all of that kind of builds to a head um and then the film something kind of switches whereby suddenly we have things happening in the present that are sort of being filmed in that kind of warm glow again and Mm -hmm. we have this like lovely scene where everybody's gathered back in the family home you know you've got Laurie and um, Amy who are married there you've got um, Meg and her husband and and then who appears other than the hot professor he's he's there out of the blue (laughs) and Jo has just been kind of she has this amazing amazing speech where she speaks to her mother in the attic um, where they're kind of clearing up Beth's things and it's very sad and she says that you know she's so sick of women being seen only for their hearts and not for their minds Mm -hmm. and and she just you know she's really driven and she wants to succeed and she doesn't want people to just immediately speculate on who she's going to marry like it's quite meta and in fact the whole film is quite meta um but then she says oh but i'm so lonely and like i think that that line is like it's it like hits you right in the gut right Mm -hmm. because you're just like you know it's it's almost that question of like can she have it all which like is obviously a bit of a cliche but like that sort of question is kind of playing through it it's like and that's when she's like oh maybe i should it was too quick to turn laurie down and and so yeah when the professor comes along and is like there and he seems like the perfect fit you're like oh my god okay great so she's gonna have it all yeah and the whole family love him and then you have the famous scene where they encourage her to run after him and it's filmed like a rom-com you know it's like this sort of rush to the yeah it's a bit of a station and a pace change isn't it it is and it's a bit of a stylistic change but i think probably the first time you're watching it you're just like oh my god this is so cute oh my god i love it and you're just kind of like swept yeah, that was up me. <laughs> um uh, but um it then there's a kind of question mark and like a deliberate question mark over whether that like storyline as it concludes really did conclude in that way or whether joe has actually kind of made up or at least embellished the storyline for her autobiographical book about her and her sister's lives because intercut with this 
sequence of her rushing off to find him and it's raining and it's super romantic and you see them kiss from like two different angles um not like the prince and me though it's not like not that, that level, level no um you instead you, you get a bit of like joe sitting with her publisher who you saw at the beginning of the film and mm-hmm. she's talking about he's like oh well why didn't she marry the neighbor and she's like well she never said she wanted to marry so she's not going to marry and he's like well it's ridiculous like she's got to marry someone and she's like okay and it's literally like you see her say i don't know if she says okay but she says all right then and then you suddenly see her making this choice to, to... go off and find friedrich yeah, yeah. so it, it's kind of left open um and i think you could interpret it as yeah she's embellishing her life she's actually none of that happened and she's just writing it uh because he told her to and of course it's kind of meta because louisa may alcott didn't want joe to marry and invented the professor to kind of solve that problem so so yeah it's an interesting one and and so when i went into watching the film annoyingly that had been spoiled for me which was really really irritating because and it was spoiled for me i'm going to call them out in from by vogue oh vogue come on published an interview with greta gerwig in like november so it's like obviously at that point no one had seen the film um and i read this interview and it said this and i was like oh my god what like because obviously that's like a huge way in which the story diverges from the story as it's usually told um and also i think it's nice to be able to make up your own mind about how that plays out and the vogue um critic very much was like oh it's all made up and i was like oh okay so then when i went in to watch it i was like trying to remove that from my mind and interpret it for me i still kind of saw it as like a fantasy question mark yeah it's probably the best way to describe it like absolutely it felt it did feel stylistically different mm-hmm. and also too perfect and too kind of tied up and well especially at the end when you know i i know just what you're saying you know at the end she opened the school in um aunt march's old house after yeah. aunt march's passage because aunt march even though she didn't like joe has magically given her the school the, school, the house <laughs> to the make house, a school yeah. in then Friedrich teaches at the school so does John Meg uh, does acting classes there jo- Amy's also there they celebrate Mommy's birthday at the school with everyone around them and it is happy it's and idyllic and it's, it's idyllic definitely it's filmed in the it, it, it's filmed in like it kind of you, you go in the school you follow them you see it you're like oh this is incredible like it's yeah. a happily ever after it is yeah. um, and that's intercut with Joe standing watching her book being bound yes which you could very much see as like these both happened uh-huh. or it could be like one happened and one didn't and mm-hmm. then or like neither happened like it's 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 interesting because it does yeah. kind of open and up that to call of worms a, yes and to call attention to the writtenness i think of the novel for me is what i took away from it yeah i didn't really question whether or not joe's story ended in that way because in my head i'm like joe's story didn't end in that way it was written by louise zemi alcott in that way yeah. whether or not it was to please her readers or please her publishers is the point that I think I want to that I took away from it definitely that it was like the writtenness so women's lives are not always going to be as they were written in novels at the time right so you know a woman like Jo like Louisa May Alcott perhaps or Jane Austen who never married um, could write these romantic endings for their women for whatever reason they chose or were forced to but actually a woman's life may have been the loneliness of what you have to do in order to get a novel published mm. and who you have to give up and what ha- you have to lose along the way um for me romantically personally i'm like i just prefer the idea of joe having a happy ending where she gets a book and a nice man <laughs> she didn't even have to marry him but a nice man at the same time um and i do enjoy definitely like greta gerwig didn't go for either one because you're right I th- it did feel a bit um, disloyal to Louisa May Alcott's heritage, um, not heritage um, legacy and to the message that the film could send of being like women's lives are written 
um, these things are idyllic. Um, the the trials of being a woman are not all the same, and you have to be aware of that. Um, whilst also kind of not not uh, not sacrificing the happy ending either, because yeah, she could have she could have yeah, yeah she could have said she could have had Joe go home to an empty room by herself in New York and that be the ending you know what I mean <laughs> yeah no, they could have done right. that completely so yeah. I prefer but for me it felt it, it was it was nice to also stay loyal to the happiness of the March family as you know they they have gone through a lot but in the end they all end up happy yeah. which also happens to mean being with men which again is why I guess Greta doesn't want to go full hog that way either yeah and I, I think she she said that she wanted the scene where the very last shot of the film is is Joe holding her book um and she said she wanted that to feel the same way you she wanted to have the same satisfaction in that moment as you might or would have when she finally marries or gets together with the love interest yes. and I think that that is very much achieved and that like you, you know you feel like she hasn't and whether you see that as the two things she's achieved both or you think she's just achieved one either way you feel like that sense of kind of of achievement and I, th I think that was that is pretty clever and, and yeah. yeah I also like that it's left open-ended and I think it would have felt a bit of a cop-out if you said as you say if they'd had to like turn down Friedrich yeah like that would have felt a bit like oh okay when I was just poor, like poor hot Friedrich well yeah damn he, he he's came, so hot he came all that way he yeah. wore so many he wore some glasses he was so cute come yeah. on yeah no exactly it would have felt it would have been a bit of a, a downer choice. yeah and a downer, <laughs> that's true um and in, in it's interesting cause apparently in the script um which I saw um, some sort of screenshots of it is it is labelled as past present throughout the script when they're hopping between the two timelines and then at the end it's present slash fantasy question mark slash past or well, it's like basically like you decide you know which, yes. I, which I, I like um and yeah I think it does mean so I've seen it twice and I think I would definitely obviously watch it again and I think you do pick up on slightly different things each time yeah um, you do and see how the two those two stories are threaded as you say so yeah I loved this film I just think that also it's a film that everyone would enjoy and I've been very much trying to stress that to people and I think lots of people have gone to see it because the cast is so beloved and obviously the, the Greta Gerwig is so respected um but there is this thing of it being called Little Women and it being about women and it being a period drama that I think could put people off and be like, well, yes. why would I go see that when I could go watch Tough 1917? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, and that there is this moment where, you know, they, they, they basically talk in a very meta way, uh, Amy and Joe, about whether women's stories are as interesting or as um important yes. as stories with action and plot and lots going on yeah um and they kind of disagree so yeah i think that that it, it i want people to go and see this film and appreciate it for filmmaking and not just be like oh i don't care about that kind of thing you yeah know? absolutely and again um we won't have time to go into the oscars kind of all the general award season stuff today but perhaps in a later episode um but for little women's stance little women's place in all of that i do think that it in terms of um directing and the message of the film and the acting and everything like that i think it is definitely one of the standouts of the end of the year and i it's kind of sad isn't it that greta i don't think she's got a director's credit in any of the awards yeah so she has been nominated for um best adapted screenplay uh, in the uh, Academy Awards mm -hmm. um, and obviously Saoirse Ronan has been nominated Florence Pugh um, but she didn't get the directing nomination which 
uh, and the directing shortlist, which, yeah, I think we will talk about in more detail in a later episode. Yeah. But it is all male, um, and there have been these debates that have um, that have cropped up again with real force about diversity, both in terms of gender, but also race, um, which is a real issue with the Academy Award nominations. Absolutely. Particular. And particularly since... Um you know stories told by women told by people of color that are about non-mainstream topics um there are lots of them to think about that have come out over the past two years we have things like gosh a moonlight parasite um harriet the farewell the farewell loads of different things um it definitely isn't a matter of there aren't any films to nominate that aren't by white men starring white men absolutely There, there aren't films there are films beyond those now that we could nominate that would add diversity of story as well as diversity of cast and direction um so it's interesting to note how over the past few years i think filmmaking has become more diverse but that is not reflected still in what films are being put up for awards um maybe a few years ago you could have said well there weren't enough films by people of color that have been popular and done really well to nominate for things but that is just not true if it wasn't true then it was very very much not true now and and the thing is as well of course is that that will stem from you know a film doesn't just get made because someone fancies get making a film it gets made because people invest money in it yeah. and will people invest money in stories that are coming from lesser known directors or coming be someone being like this is about like a black woman's experience in america like will will like a big budget production mm-hmm. company invest money in that they should and hopefully they will as mm. we've had more of these success stories because yeah and, and in some ways that's why uh people like lulu wang or greta gerwig are really powerful in like the hold that they are beginning to have over hollywood mm-hmm. in that it means that hopefully people will be like oh yeah so little women was really successful or like mm-hmm. queen and slim was really successful or yes. farewell was really successful and then it means that they'll invest more in those kind of that mm. kind of storytelling because i also think people want to see different kinds of movies like they that's, do you know yeah, that, absolutely do. if you're a regular cinema goer you want to be challenged and you want to see something different and yeah. you don't just want to see your experience reflected on the screen mm. honestly the only reason that i the only reason i was really excited to see 1917 was because of the artistic way it was filmed if you look at i mean i watched the recent the um the personal history of david, david copperfield yeah. by Arnando Iannucci, the adaptation of the famous dickens book um it was bonkers but the cast literally there were people uh god there were you know there were things like you know one of the main sort of like uh, evil characters was played by like a young white man his mother was played by a black woman and there is no consideration or even like what's the word the film doesn't even touch upon why that is it's just a casting decision Arnando Arnando Anucci made to not really care about what color the people's skin was of who he was casting and how that played into the storyline it was literally like there was no explanation as to why um you know um David Copperfield looked Indian in any way it was just that was the character and actor he chose and that was the end of it and for me it didn't detract from the film in any way so to be honest with you you know these kind of approaches to films now are the reason I enjoy them I enjoy them taking different approaches and I enjoy them doing different things so you know to be backed up by the old arguments of 
oh, a black woman in America story isn't interesting enough, or we can't have an, a person of colour playing playing a role traditionally played by a white actor because it won't make sense. Like, those arguments are null and void, in my opinion. So for me, the films that are the most interesting are the ones that are doing making these strides and doing different things and not being bound by seemingly traditional ideas about film that the Academy and BAFTA nominators seem to be bound by. It's very confusing, if you ask me. But you're right. Perhaps, you know, the, you know, the, the financial clout that films like Black Panther can now, you know, what's the word, boast, is going to help change the industry more and push forward the kind of directors who are making these changes. Yeah, well, it'll be really interesting to see how, um, how those, how the awards do play out. Um, I know there's been, like, talk about how Parasite might actually end up taking the best film. Rather than just best international film. Yeah, yeah. rather than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, for example. Um, Which I don't think was that good personally <laughs> yeah i mean that's a whole other conversation but yeah i enjoyed it but i don't yeah i don't think it was necessarily hugely innovative um no yeah I but agree. yeah so uh lots of please let us know what you think about all this all this film chat and we'd love to hear what you thought about little women yes um, even if you disagree with us that's okay yeah that is okay 2020 that's allowed it's allowed yeah um so please do get in touch with us um you can email us mm-hmm. on Oh, loveslaborswatched <laughs> at gmail.com. All lowercase, no um, punctuation of any kind. And we also have um, a Twitter and an Instagram. Um, Twitter is at RealLLW and Instagram is at loveslaborswatched. Um, we are on there. We also use the hashtag LLW show when mm-hmm. we're chatting about things. So if you use that hashtag, we can also see you if you for some reason don't want to at us. <laughs> don't know why. Um, and absolutely all these things we talk about we talk about to help further discussion so you are also helping us further discussion by getting in touch with us and it also helps us to know what it is you want us to talk about as well yeah we'd love to hear if you I mean we we have some ideas about what we might cover in the next um, few weeks and months but we'd love to hear if you have like a book that you're really excited about or movies or TV shows that you think we should delve into we'd love to hear about that and hopefully we'll have some special guests for you in the next couple of episodes as well we'll you know stay tuned there yeah absolutely and so yeah things you can expect from us in the next few months will be as we said books movies TV um award show chatter controversies probably more talk about Timothy Chalamet and whatever project he does next I really want to watch The King on Netflix yeah I haven't seen that actually I saw the advert the other day and it reminds me of Outlaw King yeah, apparently our favourite film Patterson, ever I think it might be a bit like the, the Ooh, he's, yeah he's, 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 he's the evil French king yes. Rob Pattinson's resurgence is also something we have to talk about at some point I am absolutely amazed well obviously he's going to come on the show yeah like, you know. looking forward to seeing you Rob but obviously he's playing Batman he like Christian Stewart I feel have decided to take the movie industry on with both hands and just like have their massive comeback which is really interesting so um we i retweeted a picture on our on our twitter of um rob Pattinson standing amongst some flowers and 16 year old me was very happy so <laughs> there's a lot going on i think 2020 if an asteroid doesn't you know hit the earth and explode us all is set to be very exciting yeah well so stay tuned and uh, yeah this has been great yeah well goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>